You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tell Ambassadors Jakar and Lando I want to see them in chambers now. Then invite them again as firmly and as politely as you can. Captain, either you snore or last night we had a hell of a breach in the hole. What do I do now? Uh, old style, you roll over and go to bed. New style, you go out for pizza and I never see you again. What's inside there? One moment of perfect beauty. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic, Babylon 5. This week, Season 2, Episode 4, A Distant Star. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Sheridan launches a dangerous operation to rescue an Earth exploration ship, captained by his friend, when it is stranded in hyperspace. And Delenn's authority with Mimbari is questioned as a result of her transformation. Written by DC Fontana and directed by Jim Johnson, this episode was released on the 23rd of November 1994 and takes place from the 30th of January to the 2nd of February 2259. And our guest stars uh, Russ Tamblin as Captain Jack Maynard. Daniel Beer as Patrick, Art Kimbo as Ray Gallus, Miguel A. Nunez as uh, sorry Miguel A. Nunez Jr. as Orwell, Patty Toy as Oglevy, uh, Josh Cox as uh, Tech David Corwin, and Sandy Grin as Teron. So, guys, what did we think about this episode? It was uh, a good serviceable episode. Just not too much to say about it. <laughs> it was it, w- it was all right. Yeah. Dan? Yeah. Um, uh, one, I want to know who's playing the theme for the time every time that ship turns up. Did you happen to notice the little theme that kept on playing every time it, it came through the, the jump gate or if it was moving through space? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Just cat- no. it sounded like a cross between Star Wars and Star Trek as a theme tune, but it, every time it turned up, I just huh. I pictured there was some guy with like a little trumpet playing it to himself every time he sees the ship turn up. Um, yeah, it's a very serviceable, pretty bland, basic, almost Star Trekky episode. And I, I feel like when Babylon Five tries to do Star Trek, it's never quite as good as it should be. Um, you know, it needs to focus on its own world, and and it does to a certain extent. It brings in elements of the shadows and stuff, but I don't know. Something about this just wasn't appealing. When I was going back, because we watch it two episodes at a time, going back to last week's episode with uh, Geometry of Shadows, it was a joy to rewatch it. This one kind of felt like a slog, and I was sort of fast forwarding certain scenes because it's like oh, I can get past this bit. There's nothing really happening here, and I could move on to the next. So it didn't really hold my attention as much on the second time round. 
Yeah, I thought that. I was watching it thinking, my first thought, obviously, oh, here we go. Another person from the past who's coming (laughs) to the show again. (laughs) Had that Uh, on the notes. Paul's going to say this. There we go. I've got it. And then then they said, um, obviously, this message comes through to Sheridan and it's, uh, you know, sir, I think, you know, it's a personal message. Uh, Do you want me to read out loud? Uh, Yeah, 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 no problem. Well, uh, it calls you Swamp Rat. And then it doesn't actually say, but then brings it up later. It says, um, your friend Stinkies has, has arrived. So uh, I thought, oh, no, don't tell me Malcolm Malcolm Reed's coming Malcolm. up. <laughs> Stinky? Stinky? What are you talking about, Stinky? Stinky. <laughs> oh, so, um, but two things hit me. First of all, that Explorer ship was pretty big. I mm. loved the design of it. I thought it was really yeah. good. It really worked well as, a, as an explorer ship. It, very long scaffolding, but then a centre part that spins, obviously for you know keeping the gravity there. Um, I was you know, it was quite impressed. And when you said that, like say the music that come when it comes through the, the uh, jump gate, instantly I thought 1990s computer game. Mm. You know the graphics were sort of you know obviously from that uh, from the Commodore Amigas. The music was almost as though it was like 16-bit music. It wasn't proper full-blown music it was like real sort of only a few notes there rather than the full spectrum of notes it was very uh, synthesized um which was similar to the sort of i've mentioned it before but the wing commander games you know that was they it was that sort of music you know, and comes in as soon as you know in the computer game when something happens the music starts and this was very much the ship comes through the jump gate the music starts you know doesn't matter what's going on straight in with the music so yeah yeah, that's funny because I'm tone deaf. I never pay attention to music. <laughs> like sometimes I'll notice it, but it's very rare. Oh, how could you not? It was just every scene. Every time you saw that ship, it just played the same thing. I swear, I swear there was someone off camera playing the theme tune, and that was his only job on the entire ship. It's oh, like, where sure are we? I... Where are we today, Mr. Maynard? Uh, I don't know. Play the theme tune anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure you're right. It's just yeah. it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh get into my consciousness for some reason it's, it's like it it's like has. the yeah those sort of comedy films where you, you'll hear the dramatic music and then the guy who's who's talking will go do, do you mind and you turn around and there's a little orchestra with strings going <laughs> that was my airplane moment yeah, this one gets go. an airplane moment just for that <laughs> there's several times where there's airplane moments especially when you saw maynard's uh, cowboy boots i just like i kept on thinking we should we should get rex kramer i don't know why it just it was very airplane to me who was wearing those covers so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I didn't see his boots. I did see, I saw him walking away and I thought, oh, he's wearing some sort of, tra- it looked like trainers almost, but I thought, oh, yeah, I didn't mm. quite see the boots. They were like cream with red, uh, like points yeah. on them. So they were very weird cowboy boots. Yeah. Maybe he does line dancing on board the ship. I don't know. The Cortez <laughs> is just. Oh, with that beard, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, how, how, uh, you can tell they've put some money into this season. How big is this mm. set? Mm. They, they, uh, Sheridan picks up the ca- the captain, and he walks from one side to the middle of the set. It takes him thirty four seconds to do so. Mm. They then have a chat with Dylan, and then they walk for another thirty two seconds to into the um, uh, the elevator. Mm. Six, Sixty six seconds. If I did that from outside my house, I'll be up at the end of my road. What the hell? That's a what huge are you talking about? Set. Well, it's five it's miles always been long. that big. 
Yeah, you drove a you drove a Karasaki through it last season, didn't you? See, it, it was it's huge. got a quarter million humans and aliens. Yeah, it's exactly. got a gigantic. Right. Yeah, that's right. But you've we've never seen it all in one take before. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. And I I always like one camera shots like that. If they had had the scene with Delenn as one take, which it probably was because the camera was still in the same position when they from when they arrived to when they left, they just cut it in between. Uh, that would have been um, a full one and a half minute. Well, maybe slightly less, but around about one, one minute 15, one minute 30 uh, shot, which I've only ever seen something similar in Babylon 5, in uh, Battlestar Galactica, the first scene that you ever see of that. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, it was a big... And it, it showed the whole set as well. It went through the whole... You know, the, every, every part of it. But um, uh, Garibaldi is with the Doctor, and uh, the Doctor decides to give him a food plan. Not a diet. No, no, it's a food plan. Definitely a food plan. This is my other airplane moment where he prints out the document on the paper and holds it to him and says, look, this is all the stuff you can't eat. And Garibaldi's like, oh, there's nothing left. And that, uh, Garib- and then Franklin goes over and says, don't worry, there's still this. He presses a button to get the ones he can eat. I was kind of hoping him for, like hold up a postage stamp and there's going to be like <laughs> one thing written on it. Yeah. He just hands it to him. I was kind of hoping for that, but it was another sheet of paper, so yeah. it's fine. Lettuce. So weird. Yes, le- paper in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's smart paper. Maybe it can be reprinted and all that kind of stuff. Maybe. Mm, yeah, probably. Well, it's a techno mage, maybe. Maybe it's like Harry Potter. Maybe it's like the, the newspapers that, that kind of move and change every time you re-encant, you know, re-encant them. Maybe they're like a techno mage paper. Mm. <laughs> so, oh, the uh, 90s. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so Maynard and Sheridan catch up and then uh, they have a bit of a chat and then Sheridan then um, moves on and, and you know he's... Bumps into Garibaldi and he snaps at Garibaldi, telling him he just should do his job and look after all the mean, you know, menial tasks. So why, why should he be bothered with all of these things? And then they uh, they meet in the bar for drinks uh, with um, half of the um, you know, Zeta Wing uh, pilots. I mean, there's there's now two guys from Zeta Wing who are at the captain's table. They've drink. always been there. Don't, don't yeah, you remember? Yeah. They've always they're always there. It's yeah. like Chekhov in season one of the original series. He was always there. <laughs> yeah, on song, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, just you know. Uh, you, wait a minute. You might be not seeing them because they're always hanging out with that guy who's playing the the theme tune to all the ships that come in. Because he's off shot, you never yeah. actually see them. So mm. that's what it is. They're behind those little floating camera things. Remember them from the gathering? Yeah, yeah. Those things oh, that we yeah. saw every single week after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, yeah, so Maynard and um, and Sheridan uh, go off to have a chat about seeing the shadows. You know, uh, Maynard says he's living in hyperspace. Yeah, and he's and, and, and Sheridan says he's the second person to tell him this news because obviously mm. Shikar has seen the same thing. Strange things out on the rim. Mm. That, that was a pretty good scene, though. Actually, it was, and it was again another interesting place. They've now got a second floor because now they're over overlooking <laughs> the. Um, you know, the, the wherever that is, I can't remember the name of the shopping Zocalo. arcade thing. It's not the Zocalo. <laughs> yeah, the Zocalo. It's, it, it's no, it's no, like because where they overlooked, you could see there were steps down where oh. Zathras was. Um, and um, Zathras hasn't been on Babylon 5, he was on Babylon 4. He was on Babylon. F- uh, sorry, okay, in that case, it's the same set that they used for when Zathras saw Sinclair. 
as um, as future player. one as the one, yeah. Uh... As the same steps, so um, good catch. They've so th- that is actually overlooking a corridor and not the uh, Zocalo or anywhere else. So there you go. I don't have Babylon Five mm-hmm. blueprints. I think I need them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I was just looking at it. I, I paused the thing and had a look at it. So yeah. So they, they find out about this. Yeah, there's definitely something going on in hyperspace. There are things in hyperspace. Um, living in hyperspace, even. Uh, Garibaldi is um, trying to get some illegal booty, some food. Sheridan <laughs> is told to eat rabbit food or lose ten pounds. I'd love to lose ten pounds. Mm. Uh, and then leave the rabbit food though yeah that's the only problem eating biscuits and chocolates and it's, mm. it's, it doesn't lose your weight no unfortunately uh, so Delenn is, t- is told that the Mimbari on board Babylon 5 feel that she is not one of them anymore and mm. you can see why because she's awfully changed into a it, it, it's one of these things where if you are um of mixed race, you can often be um, disowned by both races because you are neither one of them, and yet you are mm. both. Mm. So you are, uh, in my mind, you'd be more than the sum of the two. Uh, rather yeah, she than should the be. Less. A, uh, uh, she's trying to be a bridge. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you get walked all uh, over every bridge. This really, this really showed that it was a DC Fontana script. Like this scene felt very much, you know, you could see that that conversation with Spock. You could see it so many times, and again, it's world building. It's, it's the thing that she does best. Um, she can build a believable culture. Not everyone is going to have the same position within their own Mimbari caste. So, um, you know, you, you'd think that all the religious castes would sort of uh, crowd around Delenn and they'd support her, but DC Fontana knows that even people within the same group they would still have their own opinions as well. And I really like that. I think it just, it screamed DC Fontana for me. Yeah. It kind of felt like Delenn was pushed to one side in this episode. That that's a really big story. That's a really big thing to focus on and to really, you know, give her three scenes. It was that um, the moment where she sort of dobs in uh, Garibaldi and lets him know that, uh, or lets Franklin know that he's waiting for his, uh, uh, what, what was it called? What was the dish called? It was called a Banya Cowder. Banya Cowder. And she thought it was a delegation. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then we get the speech, the, you know, the great Delenn speech uh, that comes later in the episode. And it kind of felt like she was pushed to one side and it felt a bit unfair on the character. Yeah, it wasn't one of her uh, biggest episodes, but I'm sure she'll have more to come. Oh, yeah. As will um, Shikar if he ever turns up again. <laughs> Who? You mean yes. Warren? Warren, he's there all the time. That's the character <laughs> we like. So uh, Ivanova gets a food plan. Uh, but she's not happy because she'll have to gain weight. You get a food plan. You get a food plan. Everybody gets a food plan. You have deficiencies in calcium, iron, and several other minerals, and it's hampering your recovery. Now, I recommend iron supplements and an increased diet, a food plan to replenish your system. I'll gain weight. Well, briefly, yes. Figures. All my life, I've fought against imperialism. Now, suddenly, I am the expanding Russian frontier. But with very nice borders. I was, when I heard that, I laughed. And then I thought, hmm, should I be laughing? Is that yes. an appropriate thing to say? Right, I thought the exact <laughs> but, same thing. And then, But then I thought, well, no, because these two are friends. And they've been friends for a while. So if you know your audience, if you know that they will accept that as a joke, 
or as a, a comment like that, then that's fine. And I think that's where they're coming from is that mm. the fact that she didn't turn around, come back in and smack him one. <laughs> She's older than anybody stick. else. So, yes, you know. that's right. Yeah. Well, he couldn't really run after him. <laughs> <Could he? laughs> no, Maybe no, he was... that's right. But, but the way he even delivered the line, it, it looked like he didn't even want to say it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, turned around and walked off with it. So I, th- I think it was okay between friends to say that thing, but it certainly, I certainly won't be saying that to my wife. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, good call. You go around telling people they're like the Imperial Russian border. I mean, that's yes. the, the ex- pretty... expanding front. I thought that was very appropriate yeah. for very, uh, yeah, very timely. For... Because of the war that we're currently in. <laughs> no, I was going to say it's not Russian expanding front is not a good thing to be talking about right now. No, no. no. making jokes about, but that, that's right. But for anybody listening, twenty years from now, we're talking about <laughs> when Russia invaded Ukraine in twenty twenty two. Remember that? <laughs> well, well, yeah. Is there anybody still around to remember that? Well, who knows if civilization will exist in twenty years? But let's assume that it will. Yeah. And. Uh, that's what that reference from 1994 is all about. Mm. Hey, kids, remember Babylon 5, the original <laughs> series? <laughs> not the reboot, not the next generation, that one. Babylon 5, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Getting our own back. But Maynard says goodbye, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Sheridan gets swamped in work. Uh, we'll see him again. Yeah, mm. but you reckon? Hmm. <laughs> He'll be back. <laughs> He's one of these blasts from the past. He won't come back. Be silly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ivanova spots that uh, Sheridan has not been the same since Captain Menard has left, and uh, Sheridan says he doesn't want to become a, bu- a bureaucrat and he wants to command a starship. But I like the way Ivanova uh, talks straight back, you know, to him and, and even sort of argues with him. Mm. Uh, she's not afraid to have a go, and obviously you can see that again. This is this you know, they've known each other from before, and they've they've got this friendship now you know she's just been promoted so she's a bit closer to him in in rank so she can say to him you know like you know you you really need to you know knuckle down and this is just like a starship is it there's no difference here don't worry about it get on with it uh so i thought it was good to see that relationship that they have ever since the cortez arrived you just haven't been yourself i thought perhaps you'd like to talk about it i command starships susan not cities in space these problems, the, the petty complaints, the endless bickering, the constant negotiations. Jack Maynard said this isn't what I was trained for, and he's right. I mean, I am constantly sandbagged, swamped, drowned and, and snowed under by nothing but trivia. Yeah, she can give back, you know, she can talk back to him. Starships run on details. You've always run a tight ship. That's an admirable trait. B-5 can never run in quite the same way. But you've had to settle your share of crew squabbles in your time, so forgive me for saying this, but it must be something more than just that. Maynard is right. I've been beached. Hardly. Running B-5 takes just as much energy, intelligence, and patience as it does to command a starship. But there is a difference. They have turned me into a bureaucrat, a politician. Even when when later on, where they're on the... uh, um in the CNC where the, uh, the looking out the window waiting for the ship to come back and what's happening it's gotten scratchy again sir I can't even hear the pilots now <sighs> all right carry on why don't you take a break why don't you sir I thought that was uh, you know even though he said sort of looked at her and she said you know I know what I've said but you know, I'm arguing with you 
but I do, I am, you know, going to show that I do respect your rank, you know. So uh, yeah, so that was good. I like to see this. This is a good relationship between the two. And the thing is, they've got better chemistry within four episodes than Sinclair and Ivanova did in twenty-two. Mm. I think you're right. Yes, very true. I don't, I don't know whether it's because of the actor, uh, because his style of acting. Always, he always seems to have a smile on his face or a grin just appearing as he's saying some of the words, even in appropriate, not in appropriate times. You know, what are you grinning at, man? Stop smiling. <laughs> but whether it's just him, you know, his own personality. Yeah, he's a happy guy. Have, yeah, he's got to know people behind the scenes and he's got, and everybody thinks, hey, this is, yeah, I, like this, I like this guy. He's a really mm-hmm. nice guy. So the acting is a lot easier between people like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether mm-hmm. it, that's the case or not, but. And and in serious scenes, again last week with Joe Matias Shadows, that that little look down at the gun when he walked in on Garibaldi, um, there was just a tiny little just look on his face. That he realised that there was something serious going on, and now he needs to sort of give him a pep talk. But he does it in a look, whereas Sinclair kind of took his time and he had to explain what he was thinking. Um, whereas Sheridan can just do it straight away. He sizes up a situation really quickly, as he did with this episode. Um, he he figured out that they needed some sort of rescue plan and he calls on the old lifeboat association way of doing things yeah. which was yeah, which bruce, was a nice bruce, naval solution bruce boxleitner uh, is just a great actor that's what it is yeah, yeah oh yeah that's true yeah so uh, so yeah the cortez gets stuck in hyperspace uh, there's an explosion on the bridge and everybody sort of runs to help everybody else and then but the captain she's having a quick chat with the guy at the front saying is there anything what can we do you know what's happening here and there's a flipping great big fire going on behind it there's nobody <laughs> going to put that out right. and at the end one guy sort of walks over to it and looks at it <laughs> i thought i thought he was going to run up with an extinguisher <laughs> i was for fair play moment i was waiting for someone with marshmallows and he's yeah just that's what i needed it was, rid- it was ridiculous like where, where did this accident come from why is there a fire on the bridge? A few hours out of pulling out of Babylon 5. Who did that bad job, the repair job on the ship? They exploded right. five hours later. And, and, and where's the styrofoam blocks falling from the ceiling? <laughs> yeah. And why haven't, why haven't all of the panels exploded? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. All, all, all the panels hanging from wires. And th- yeah. Okay. And I'll bring it up here. Like, they, they lose their lock on the jump gate. But the ship that size would make its own jump point. It, it's that big of a ship that it could make its own. It doesn't need a gate, or at least mm. it shouldn't, unless the humans don't have that technology. I don't, well, that's what I thought. I didn't think humans had that technology. It was brought to them by, was it the, who was it by? Was it the Nans or the Centauri? But then the uh, Maynard, when they said that they, they'd stopped off once, and that's how they found out that Sheridan got the job, he said that they were building or repairing the gate. So they must right. have the technology to repair gates. So yes. Exactly. They should be able to make their own one. You would think. Like, well, can, can, can you do that from inside hyperspace? Uh, no. Maybe not from inside. Mm. I, I don't know. But yeah. you can jump. Like regular ships that don't use jump gates, don't. Uh, they, they're in hyperspace and they jump to regular space without gates of any kind. Yeah, but if you go into. Well, okay, so this is all hypothetical because it doesn't really exist. But if you go <laughs> into hyperspace and you have a lock on the next gate, because of the, you need that lock, otherwise you could end up in a different gate. If you lose that lock, then surely that's that's what's happened to, to their ship. They've lost the lock. They don't know where the, the which you know, which direction the gate is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have to look backwards and say, "Hang on, we've lost the lock on on the one that we've left. So we've now we're now adrift and we don't know where we are. We don't know how, we we're, we're in this bubble, but we don't know how to get out." 
it's just very confusing how the technology works sometimes because some hmm. ships think, need jump gates and some don't. Well, that's right. I mean, and that's the thing is it is that they don't explain it. So therefore it's easier to work with because you don't have to explain how hyperspace works. You go in one end, you come out the other and hey presto, magic, magic, we're in a different place. Um, but when you don't explain it, it does leave it open to interpretation and that can be awkward. Well, we'll leave it for now, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, meanwhile, back at the Zuclo, they uh, the three amigos are eating their salads and mm-hmm. pasta. And of I course, they, they obviously don't like <laughs> they don't like what they've got, so they swap it around. And then it's just like a shark in the background. And <laughs> Franklin comes into scene, and they all have to swap the food back again. And then he just moves on. <laughs> it, it looked like Garibaldi had overcooked meatloaf. <laughs> That's yeah. what it does. Did that do that? Yeah, I couldn't work it out because obviously there was the, the, like the pure salad, lettuce leaves, and then the pasta with some sort of sauce, and then this mixture of the two. So yeah, it was a bit weird. Uh, but then Dylan gets a medical and lets uh, slip that Garibaldi is expecting a new uh, 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 delegation. So, when does the new delegation arrive? What new delegation? I don't know. I only heard Mr. Garibaldi mention to someone that he was awaiting their arrival. I believe they're called Banya Cauda. Um, but then uh, the, we have the plan to save the Cortez, which uh, Dan alluded to there, uh, the old lifeboat system where they will uh, send out uh, 18 pilots uh, in only five ships Wait. for some hmm. reason. What, what the heck was that? <laughs> they've, got, they've got like 40 uh, Star Furies. Why are they sending out five? They don't know where yeah. this thing is. And, and they're going to break away at a, a thousand kilometers apiece. But who knows where the ship is? It's been gone for hours. That makes yes. no sense. They've got Warren. He he he's, he feels the need for any like ten ships, so you know it's fine. He's that good. Well, well, you say that. I mean, they, they, I mean, they have eighteen. They have eighteen pilots being briefed, and only five go through the hole. <laughs> what? Okay, so then they string them out, and um, I can't remember the guy at the end. Now, what was the uh, the uh, Gallus? Ray Gallus, yes. Uh, he obviously gets um, uh, bumped into by a, a shadow. As we as we sort of see it flash past, he gets knocked into it and his ship explodes, and instantaneously his suit whips onto Kefla mm. because Kefla appears and he's got Ray Gallus written on his chest. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh no! I see that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's why they've only got five star for you, pros. They were all getting the wrong costumes on, so yeah. they had to they had to get changed again. So they're still in the bay. <laughs> you know, that's that's why. That's why. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 in the trivia as well. I'll come back to that later. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so the, so the shadow bombs into them. They but eventually they manage to uh, um, uh, the, the, again the, the, the shadow also clips um, uh, Kefler. Uh, Kef, Kefler, and uh, he is spinning round and round. Fortunately, spinning round and round uh, just on this one axis and not tumbling, which mm-hmm. ena- enables him to fire uh, uh, his. Gun. I don't know what was actually firing. What is that? But it's not like a, laser, a, like, a it? like a pulse cannon or something. Yeah, pulse cannon. Yeah. So he's firing that at the uh, at the gate. Well, that's a good idea. Mm. Next time the gate opens, you're going to get all these pulse cannon <laughs> shots at Babylon Five. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if he's shooting it at the right gate. So, uh, so you know, it would probably be that flipping Narn captain again. Off he goes. <laughs> you know, he thinks, oh, I'm well, going to the gate. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You know, he's been shot. 
Oh, no, he gets killed again. Number <laughs> nine, first lieutenant, like, hands him like the letter. Sorry, five of your brothers have died this year. Um, you need yeah. to go back home. Oh, I'm going home. I'm completely safe. What's that over there? <laughs> the explorer ship manages to, uh, the Cortez manages to navigate its way back out of the uh, out of hyperspace, following the uh, the directions. Uh, and unfortunately, we uh, we lose uh, Kefler. He's gone. He's, he's tumbling yeah. off into hyperspace. Oh, sorry, we lost both of the pilots. Like, wh- why couldn't hmm. he had a grappling hook or, or like well, send out a shuttle or, or something? Well, he said that, didn't he? He said, "We can come and get you. We can come and and, and help you." And, and Kefler said, "No, no, I'll you know, die in a blaze of glory." And you know, he just lets, lets himself goes off into hyperspace. Yeah. So it's all right. Yeah. I've had a whole season and a half already. Uh, I think. <laughs> I've already had my drink at the captain's table. <laughs> Somebody else can take my space. And Gallus as well, who, you know, he was only there for the one episode, but, you know, he, <laughs> he was always at the table. Always, always. Very important. Always yeah. there. And then the doctor catches Garibaldi in the act of shopping and sells, you know, sells him a sob story about how it's his birthday and his dad always made him this food every, every birthday, so now he has to make it himself. And it's basically just a big bowl of fat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and why is he using extra virgin olive oil and melting butter into it? You <laughs> shouldn't cool. use extra virgin olive oil like that. That's for drizzling and stuff. You should be like, if you're <laughs> going to cook with it, then it should be virgin, uh, ordinary olive oil. Never mind. It's Garibaldi. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, he convinces uh, Franklin that it's a, it's a really nice food and he should try it. So they set up a date. And Delane and Sheridan have a chat and uh, give us our season one titles, basically, our titles from the Epsilon 3. Yes. Um, chat about star stuff. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's what it's from. Oh, that, <laughs> that redeems the episode almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good line. It's, it's based on the, the Cosmos. Uh, 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 Carl Sagan saying about yeah. we are all star stuff. So. Mm. But uh, in the end, uh, Sheridan is uh, busy at work again, and he seems to be back in a good mood. He's cleared his desk. He's managed to get back into the swing of things. And we've hit the reset button, and he's all fine again. You realise you don't need loads of paper. You know, it's the future. Why, yeah. why, why have it clogging up your desk? It doesn't make any sense. But Kefla makes it back through the hole. Through the, I keep going to the wormhole. It's not wormhole. This is not Deep Space Nine. It's the jump gate. He comes out through the jump gate. Ta-da! And he's Yay. safe and sound. And... Basically followed one of the shadows out. Just hmm. as well. Well, but hang on. The shadow went through the jump gate and he said, oh, well, there, I need to go through that jump gate. Well, why didn't hmm. the shadow come out the jump gate at Babylon 5? Exactly. That's why exactly. hyperspace does not make any sense. Hyperspace makes sense. It's just his writing doesn't make sense. <laughs> Something doesn't make sense. You know what really doesn't make sense? The fact that he's already got promotion. And the first time we met him, he didn't save himself. Sheridan did that. Um, uh, you know, he he ordered them to stop and not engage with the Mimbari. So he didn't do anything brave in that one. The most he did in this episode was fire in the wrong direction and possibly hit the station through the jump gate. So he endangered all the lives of Babylon 5. But oh, it's all right. His superior died. Let's give him a promotion. That's fine. Oh, God. I don't know why. Warren is winding me up this season. I don't know what it is. <laughs> You liked him last season. I don't know what happened. I'd, I guess he was my best buddy, but just something about it. I don't know. He's taking time away from Lou, maybe. That's, that, that's probably what it is. Could be. That's it. Something else that doesn't make sense is the fact that we haven't had a promo yet. So I think we should have a promo. Excellent idea, Paul. Let's play it. 
I'm Mark McRae, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Klink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. <laughs> we were just in suspended silence there. And now back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress. I wait to see how long that was going to go. We were just going to stare at each other and see how long it was going to take. Yeah. You talk. No, you talk. We if you love in, me, you talk first. We were in awe at that promo. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, you should leave all this in. Oh, definitely. So, trivia. Uh, Dylan tells Captain Sheridan that we are all made of star stuff. This is actually a reference to the cosmos, made in 1980, where Carl Sagan says the nitrogen in our DNA, the calcium in our teeth, the iron in our blood, the carbon in our apple pies. If you've got carbon in your apple pies, you've been burning your apple pies, mate. Mm. Uh, We're made from the interior of collapsing stars. We are all made of star stuff. Banya Cowder is uh, the uh, the entree that uh, Michael Garibaldi makes uh, from the smuggled ingredients actually exists. It is a hot dip fondue-like, uh, sorry, it's a hot dip fondue-like mixture made from olive oil, anchovies, garlic, and butter, most often found in Piedmont in Italy. Mm. The story in Universe Today about something living in hyperspace can actually be seen uh, on screen in Babylon 5, and the sky full of stars episode. At around 32 minutes after the shadow vessel clips Warren Keffer's uh, star fury, uh, Keffer is wearing Ray Gallus's flight suit in the following scene instead of his own. <laughs> 18 pilots are briefed for the rescue mission, but only five go. Um, Sheridan's, for Sheridan's plan to work, it would clearly have needed more ships. Uh, when Garibaldi describes his recipe, he mentions melting butter into extra virgin olive oil. Virgin and especially extra virgin olive oil is virgin because the olives haven't been heated to, the, to extract the oil, which is why it is more expensive. Cooking with virgin and especially extra virgin olive oil destroys it. Um, considering Garibaldi's background, he would know this. So, yes, you do not cook with extra virgin. You cook with ordinary olive oil. Uh, you use uh, extra version used for drizzling over salads, etc. Sean, do we have any Star Trek connections? We have zero Star Trek connections this week. Uh, I, I disagree. You disagree? I could find none. Okay, I couldn't find any, but this next mm. bit uh, this of trivia suggests there might be some. It, it, this is really uh, a play on nerd style, tenuous. Oh, Muppet Trek. Muppet I'm, Trek I'm tenuous. Intri- I'm, I'm intrigued. Guest star Russ Tamblin appeared in West Side Story in 1961, Scream Free in 1969, and Twin Peaks in 1990, all opposite Richard Boehmer. Boehmer made a guest appearance on a similar science fiction series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, in 1993. (laughs) That's as close as I can get (laughs) to a Star Trek connection. Yeah, because that's a connection that needs at least 18 Star Furies to make. (laughs) Right, because I I looked, and this is the first time there were zero Star Trek connections, I believe. I, I think you're wow. right here. Yeah, I couldn't find any other than that little 
<laughs> other other than the later. fact that some guy played with some guy who did play on Star Trek? Yeah, that's right. Who, okay. <laughs> who shook the hands of DC Fontana one time and you know, yeah, that's about it. As close as we can get. Yeah. And he was on the Muppets, right? Yeah. So uh so uh, uh, uh Bruce Boxlight now once watched an episode of Star Trek. There you go. How's that? Oh, that's there a great go. connection. That's good. That's good. That's fantastic. I, f- I swear I've seen the guy who was smuggling in the stuff for Garibaldi somewhere. Like, he set off my my like radar in my head of like that's that's somebody I know from something else. He he reminded me of the cab driver with the uh, with the weird hand from Total Recall with, with the five. Yeah, that's who he's like, reminding like, you of. yeah, yeah. He had kind of that same kind of like sassy energy, yeah. but I can't. I can't place it. I don't know where I've seen his face. Before. I was thinking he was he was more like sort of Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop, when he's mm. setting up a, a you know a, a drop. You're right, okay. I've got you. I've got your stuff here. It's got yeah. And when Garibaldi goes, yeah, this is the stuff. He goes, right, that's it. You handcuffs on. You do get on the floor. Get on the floor. You're under arrest. And all the cops come in. And you know. <laughs> when Franklin turns up, he's like, hey, <laughs> yes. he's just smiling away. Yeah. Franklin's his captain. You know, hey. <laughs> hey, Foley. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the uh, rating system. We uh, rate our each episode of Babylon Five out of five jump gates because of Babylon Five, and IMDb gave this a, a seven point three, which equates to uh, three point six five. Hmm. So, Sean, what do you think of this episode? This one was difficult. Um, I, I've been going back and forth on the rating the entire time we've been talking uh, it, it wasn't a bad episode it it was it was it was fine it was perfectly fine uh, we, we got to see a cool ship with a cool name uh, we've got the delen quote and and where's the part where she says something about uh, the universe puts us in places where we can learn it's never easy but we're always in the right place i thought that was great uh, I, I don't know what to give it. I was I was gonna give it like a four, but I'm like that's too much. Three point five is too little. Uh, I don't know. Three point seven five is what I'll give it because it's it's I don't know. It's 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 fine. Done. Yeah, I'm coming in. I I was wanting to start at a three out of five because it was decent enough. It does better jobs at entertaining you than some of the worst of season one. Um, there's some great moments in it. There's the Len quotes, and then there's the, the the great comedy scene with the three of them swapping meals. And I just enjoyed that. It was it was nice, but it was just it was like a collection of scenes. It didn't feel like a cohesive episode in its own right that you could just watch any old time. Um, it just felt a bit too disjointed for me, and I didn't really believe where the curve of Sheridan not wanting to be in his job, then going up to wanting to be in his job again. It just didn't didn't really fit with me if he came around too quickly i felt like he needed a bit more of a talking to from other characters beyond ivanova i think she did a great job and what she did and what she said like you say was was really well done but it just kind of felt like he came around too quickly um so it didn't really fall in place for me so i'm gonna go 3.5 okay 3.5 um i'm with sean on this one because and again, both both of you made exactly the comments that that I want to uh, make, and that's you, you've got Ivanova last week, who wasn't sure she was right for the job. Her first diplomatic mission didn't go well. Uh, I've only just been promoted, and already I've made a mess of things. And now Sheridan's going through the same thing. And I think it's 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 that sort of feeling you get when you start a new job. You've 
maybe left a job that you've been comfortable in and now you're into this uh, into a job where it's a little bit new and strange and you start to doubt whether you can do it and have I made the right decision? Because I've certainly been through that quite a few times. It's that uncertainty, it's that honeymoon period that you go through and eventually you'll, you'll come out of it and then you, you realise what you're supposed to be doing and you've got the confidence back and all that. So I, I think that's good to see Sheridan going through the same thing, that he wasn't sure that he was right for the job. It, he didn't go for the job. He was given the job or told to do the job by the president. So he's got no choice. He has to do it. So you might as well like it um, or at least make the best of it. So that I get. Um, I, I like the comedy moments with the diets or the food plans. Sorry. Um, that's all good. It was, it was good that they all needed to lose weight except for Ivana who needs to put weight on. Um, which is a very cowardly way of saying, I'm not going to ask um, uh, you know, uh, Claudia Christian to start acting as I say, look, you're, uh, you're fat and you need to lose weight. You can't say that to a woman. Oh, no way. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, no, you're too thin. You need to put weight on. That's better. Um, mm. So, yeah, I like that. And I like the subterfuge that uh, Garibaldi gets his, his food from. Um, but the actual, and I like the, the rescue of the, the, the way they rescued the, uh, the Cortez. I, I like the idea of sending out, they should have done more of them, obviously, but, you know, sending out ships to uh, listen to each other and make this um, bridge back to the, uh, to the thing. That was a great, great idea. Um, it, I think it took, took too long to get there. I was halfway through the episode on the third or fourth scene of, of listening to Sheridan and, and Maynard talking to each other and reminiscing and going on about uh, seeing things in the hyperspace. I thought, how long has this been going on? It's half the episode has gone by. Nothing has happened yet. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting to, because I couldn't quite remember this episode. So I was thinking at some point he's going to turn into the bad guy because obviously when we get Star Trek, the first person, the first time you meet somebody, if they're a nice person, they turn out to be bad. If they're a bad person, they turn out actually to be nice. I was waiting for him to say, and ha, ha, I'm trying to steal something from Babylon 5 or something. It, it, it didn't. And then, and then he left and I thought, well, what the hell was that all about? He's turned up, he said a few things, he's gone. And then it all kicks off with the, you know, oh, and now we're trapped. So, but at least it gives you time to get attached to the guy and you quite like him. You don't want him to die in space. And he's got, you realise there is this friendship and he, he's a likeable guy and other people are liking him as well. So um, for, for that reason, it, it doesn't sit as an, just as an average episode of Babylon 5. It's not your sort of, oh, and here's another one and we'll get to some interesting stuff next week. It gave it that little bit more, but it was never going to be anywhere near last episode or even the first two of the season. Um, mm. So exactly like Sean, a 3.75 uh, from me. So, uh, which is, puts it sort of, uh, in my mind, in the middle of all my yeah. ratings. So it's just an right. average episode for me. Yeah. Mm. A little bit better than standard, but... Hmm. I liked it purely for Sheridan's uh, if the, the animals that crawled out of the primordial soup had seen that we would turn into politicians, they'd just go straight back again. Yes. I thought that was a good line. I think that that was one of the few things that saved it for me. There were some great lines. It just didn't quite come together enough for me. So anything else you'd like to bring up? Any other points? No, good. That's it. Okay, so that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 5. The Long Dark. The Long Dark what? Is that where it is? Is that the long, long Dark? Long dark. Yeah. It's long and it's dark. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page, 
Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. The molecules of your body are the same molecules that make up this station and the nebula outside that burn inside the stars themselves. We are star stuff. We are the universe made manifest, trying to figure itself out. And as we have both learned, sometimes the universe requires a change of perspective. Some part of our being knows this is where we came from. We long to return. And we can, because the cosmos is also within us. We're made of star stuff. We are a way for the cosmos to know itself. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.